0: Well, nothing like a crisis to get the mind focused the gas has stopped and let me tell you dissent is starting to rise my jaw dropped as I was watching German television on Sunday night hello and welcome to the northern minor podcast my name is Adrian Pocabelli and I have never watched so much German television in my life as a matter of fact, I am starved for information on everything that is going on here. And quick tip, if you're trying to learn a second language, you can put on closed captions on YouTube and put on auto-translate and they will give you English. And let me tell you, I'm learning German way faster than the last five and a half years out here. So what I saw is open questioning of the entire you know, Western policy, but on mainstream television. Now, however, it, it was Das Bild, okay, which, you know, I'd call it like a substantial tabloid. It's kind of like The Sun, but with a little more substance. You know, it when you walk down the street and you see newsstands, you will see Das Bild. For the average Joe and Jane, you know, is kind of the demographic. Slightly populist, call what you want. And they have a TV channel, which I had never seen, but... It was shocking. I mean, the first five minutes, openly questioning, should we be sending weapons? Should we be destroying the German economy over this war? Like, So, you know, nothing like a crisis to get the mind focused here, because one thing is for nothing to be happening in real life and us having a debate over ideas. Another is when the gas gets cut off, Let me tell you, I am starting to see a shift. So, very interesting. I mean, you know, typical shows I was watching up until Sunday were, you know, kind of muted. You know, typical German kind of news television, which is, you know, they may cut off the gas, but uh, we should prepare for the worst. And, you know, just like the first five minutes of this show of Das Bild on Sunday— Sunday night it came out, I think, was a five minute it was a panel discussion and it was a five minutes of nonstop just critique, quoting the New York Times editorial saying, "We have to have a realistic view on this. And like it was almost like a cri du coeur, as they say, a cry of the heart, as the French, you know, say. And the moderator had to be interrupted by a panelist who's like, well, excuse me, and then, you know, had had a different view. But what was remarkable was actually these five panelists, how much they were in agreement. So who knows? Again, I'm not here to render judgment on these things, but I am here to monitor what's going on. And let me tell you that the conversation is— you know, changing as people get worried. And I mean, in theory, this is only like a 10-day block of the gas while the Russians fix something in the gas pipeline. But I think, you know, it's definitely a mind game on the Europeans who are like, is the gas going to come back on? So anyways, pretty interesting stuff. As the summer moves on, now we're in July. And I don't know if you saw that video in Sri Lanka. Like, and, and the reason I talk about all this stuff is because it's a direct result of energy. Energy, natural resources, our bread and butter here. And the reason why I do focus on these big world issues is because, as I was mentioning in an earlier episode, and I was mentioning to Jeffrey Christian, you know, we're kind of a, seen as a bit of a fringe media the mining industry like okay that's kind of weird that's kind of it's like actually we're kind of right in the heart of everything here we're right in the heart of it yeah you want a green transition well hi my name is Adrian and this is the Northern Miner podcast like you need to be talking to the mining industry and if you think you're going to do it by mandate by fiat creating a law Without actually talking to the mining industry, I'm afraid you're going to have some problems. And I, I actually think that's what's going on. So, anyways. uh, Yeah, so much news going on here. I mean, where to begin? I mean, it's like life seems to be turning into a Hollywood movie. At least out here. I don't know if you saw this Bloomberg article on this precious metals trial. Let me just open this up. J.P. Morgan Gold Desk ripped off-market for years, jurors told. U.S. says three from bank decided to cheat with spoof trades. Defense says orders were genuine, didn't manipulate prices. So there's a big trial now. And I mean, this has been a bugaboo for gold bugs for near a decade, maybe two, that the J.P. Morgan in particular has been manipulating the silver market. That is the allegation forever and now they are on trial and just the first paragraph here the precious metals business at jp morgan chase and co operated for years as a corrupt group of traders and sales staff who manipulated gold and silver markets for the benefit of the bank and its prized clients a federal prosecutor told jurors in chicago now if you didn't finish the sentence you would have thought that was all just like ironclad fact So make sure you finish your sentences here. Uh, So yeah, there's that trial. That's pretty interesting. And then you have the Dutch farmers. And what's so interesting about that is it speaks to this whole narrative of, you know, will ESG take a backseat to these immediate concerns? And, you know, because as far as I understand, you know, if we look at Deutsche Welle here, mainstream German publication, Dutch farmers block food distribution centers over new environmental rules. Okay, so I've been talking about this now for at least a month that we're going to start seeing a friction here between, you know, immediate need and these environmental rules. And it looks like almost a mirroring of the Canadian truckers Dutch farmers angry at government plans to slash emissions used tractors and trucks to blockade supermarket distribution centers on Monday. Fishermen also blocked some ports in a show of support for farmers. Their actions were part of ongoing protests against a government proposal to slash emissions of pollutants like nitrogen oxide and ammonia by 50% by 2030. So this isn't going to be easy is all I have to say. And we're just getting started here. So interesting times. Coming up this episode, I, we have a very fun All in the Family episode with Laura Daly, our event producer at the Northern Miner Group and Northern Miner Group President Anthony Vaccaro. And they talk about PDAC, their reflections on it, and what I'm calling an insider's guide on the mining calendar. They tell us what the Northern Miner is up to and also what else is going on, including the Canadian Mining Hall of Fame and just their whole pulse on the industry. It was a very fun, fascinating summer chat. So lots to look forward to there, uh, particularly for mining industry people or for students that are looking to where do I go if I'm in mining, I'm in geology, and I want to learn more. What events? Where do I find out about the events? You learn that here, ladies and gentlemen. So a very fun episode, and it was just a fun chat. I was just editing it, and it was just really enjoyable to listen to again. And with that, if you want to find us online, you can find us at northernminer.com. You can find us on Twitter, at northernminer, and on Instagram, at The Northern Miner, and on Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube, where we also host these podcasts and wherever podcasts are available, including Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, and SoundCloud. And with that, let's turn to the news. And turning to the website, BHP loses appeal in multi-billion dollar lawsuit over Samarco disaster. Now, this was one of the biggest mining disasters of recent years. What is it? The collapse of the Fundau tailings dam in 2015 killed 19 people and polluted hundreds of miles of river. You see the need for ESG when you look at a story like this, clearly. And anybody that's, you know, saying, oh, well, we just need to throw ESG out now. I guess you weren't related to one of these people. Okay. Like, I mean, so there are issues. So I think it's always important that we just keep a super, as balanced as we can approach on all of these issues. Okay, So this is by Cecilia Gemazmi, and she says, BHP said on Friday it had lost an appeal in a London court seeking to block an over $6 billion-plus lawsuit by 200,000 Brazilians over a deadly dam failure in Brazil seven years ago. By 200,000 Brazilians... The group claim, one of the largest in British legal history, alleged that BHP, the world's largest miner by market value, ignored safety warnings as the dam's capacity was repeatedly increased by raising its height and disregarded cracks that pointed to early signs of rupture. BHP tried stopping the suit from proceeding in London, but Friday's verdict overturned previous judgments by ruling the case can be heard in English courts. And we have a quote from Tom Goodhead, managing partner of law firm PGMBM. And he says, quote, the days of huge corporations doing what they want in countries on the other side of the world and getting away with it are over. And continuing on, the Samarcos Fundo Dam burst in November 2015 and released 39.2 million cubic meters of tailings waste into the Rio Doce Basin, killing 19 people. It was Brazil's worst environmental disaster. Samarco, a joint venture between BHP and Valet, was shuttered for five years. During that time, BHP and Valet focused on reparations, compensations, and cleanup efforts. They also faced several lawsuits and site inspections until the miner was ready to safely reopen the Mariana complex in December 2020. So they did reopen it. Lawsuits continued to pile up, including the group action, which was initially blocked by both the High Court and the Court of Appeal, for being, quote, irredeemably unmanageable, end quote. BHP said it remains, quote, concerned, end quote, with a preliminary question of whether the group action can continue against the company in the United Kingdom. Yeah, so they're trying to push back a bit in the lightest possible way. BHP said it remains, quote, concerned. Yeah. And we have another quote, actually, from BHP. BHP Brazil remains, and that's interesting, it's the subsidiary, BHP Brazil remains committed to continue supporting the local remediation efforts in Brazil through the Renova Foundation. Those efforts have already provided around $1.8 billion in compensation and direct financial aid in relation to the dam failure to over 376,000 people. The mining giant also said it would consider a Supreme Court appeal. So that will continue. Political changes boost risk for miners in Latin America. Cecilia Jemasmi on the Latin American mining beat, a rising demand to participate in the revenues from natural resources, tougher environmental protection rules, and changes to laws are increasing risks for mining and energy companies across Latin America. Even in countries once considered safe investment destinations, a new study shows. And this is super interesting. I was reading this earlier this week. According to the 2022 Latin American Mining Risk Index, published by consultancy America's Market Intelligence, AMI, once investor's darling Chile, now presents more risks, but it remains the most welcoming jurisdiction for miners in that region. The world's top copper producer, where global copper giants like Cadelco, BHP, Anglo-American, Albemarle, and Antofagasta have mines, scored 68 out of maximum of 70 points in AMI's ranking, which places it at the top. So, I mean, I think you could still call it investors darling if it's 68 out of 70. The higher the overall score, the better a jurisdiction is for mining investment because the risks are not as acute, the authors explain. And just a quick little bit on Chile. The nation is redrafting its market-oriented constitution, which dates back to the military dictatorship of Augusto Pinochet. It will hold a nationwide referendum vote on the new text in September, which could bring a full ban to mining in glaciers, many of which are adjacent to lithium deposits. You know, the irony, it just goes to show that, like, things are complicated, like, Because they're probably doing this for environmental reasons. But if you're trying to switch over to batteries, well, you need the lithium. And many of these glaciers are adjacent to lithium. So, again, as we were saying in the intro, like, talk to miners. If you want to make this green transition, talk to miners. Because they're the ones who are going to be able to help you do that in probably the smartest way. The new constitution may also include mandatory community prior consent on new concessions near indigenous land claims and the end to ownership of water within concession boundaries replaced by a water permitting process. And then we have a bit on Peru here. Perhaps surprisingly, in light of recent community opposition-driven turmoil, Peru is the second most welcoming jurisdiction with 61 points and 80 projects on hold. And we have a quote from Alejandro Alvarez, one of the authors... Who told Mining.com, quote, Peru's political class has generally understood the economic importance of mining and has promoted it accordingly. This may change in next year's edition of the ranking if the Castillo administration does not manage to harmonize community opposition and social demands with the intrinsic importance of the industry to the country's economy. Argentina, with 56 points, is the third best country for miners and energy firms in Latin America. The country has attracted over the past year major players, including the world's second-largest miner, Rio Tinto, and South Korean steelmaker, POSCO. You know, I just keep hearing good things about Argentina. Brazil holds the fourth position with 54 points. The country's diverse geography, history, and people, combined with its decentralized political system, make it challenging to analyze risk on a national level, the authors of the index say. They highlight an increasing number of projects in the Amazonian Basin thanks to concessions given by President Bolsonaro, which have drawn global criticism. Yeah. And then when you hear that, you go, well, stay out of the Amazon. You know, so just goes to show these are not easy issues. So you can read the whole article on northernminer.com. There is a list of, like, 15 countries here. So if you want the details, the deets... On Latin America as a mining jurisdiction, head over to Political Changes Boost Risk for Miners in Latin America on northernminer.com. Over in Canada, ministers looking to quicken energy transition shift. This is by Naimul Karim. Canada's mining and energy ministers have stressed the need to accelerate the nation's shift to clean energy systems... And advance its critical mineral strategy as Russia's invasion of Ukraine continues to alter the global energy landscape. At an annual conference at St. John's in Newfoundland and Labrador, federal, provincial, and territorial ministers discussed plans to increase Canada's energy exports to Europe, supply more clean electricity to Canadians to help tackle rising energy prices, and develop plans to achieve a net zero electricity grid by 2035. In the aftermath of the invasion of Ukraine, Germany in particular, but other countries in Europe, are looking to displace Russian gas and oil. Minister of Natural Resources Jonathan Wilkinson said at a press conference marking the end of the week-long event. While the minister said that Europe can displace its dependence on Russian oil in a, quote, fairly short time, and quote, the continent is looking at a five-year window to reduce its reliance on Russian gas, and Canada hopes to be an alternate supplier. Uh, So maybe Canada to the rescue for Europe as far as natural gas. And we have a quote. I think European countries certainly are interested in securing supplies of LNG from Canada. But as I said, there is a window there. And so you have to be able to hit that window. So we are looking at the projects and working with the projects that could potentially meet that window. And this is a huge problem that almost everybody mentions. You can't have it both ways where you say, we want more natural gas, or we want more oil, but after five years, we don't want it. It doesn't work that way with these massive projects. So Europe's just going to shoot itself in the foot if it says, you know what, we just want it between a two and five year window. Like, uh, yeah, maybe, I don't think so, is actually probably the reality. Because they're probably hoping to not use natural gas. Now, a thing I never mentioned in like the Oodles of news stories that we have here. Europe declared Nat Gas and nuclear power, the EU declared them as, I believe they called them transitional green energies. So back to this window, like they can be used for the transition, but not forever, is sort of my understanding. So again, they're being forced to ask, for nuclear and nat gas, just out of sheer necessity, but they're still fighting it, saying, you know, after five years, though, we don't want it. Let's say everybody says, okay, fine, we'll make contracts after five years, and then five years passes, then what's going to happen? They're probably not going to have their replacements. If you listen to anybody that seems to know what they're talking about in the mining industry, it sounds like this isn't going to happen by 2030. It's going to be like 2050 if we're lucky, if we're super lucky. Okay, more like 2070. So these guys who are like, well, maybe three to five years. Again, I don't think these people really know that much. I don't think they're talking to the mining industry and getting some real thing. I think they're just going, okay, we can do this for five years. Let's just say five years. And, you know, that's the impression I get. If I'm wrong, leave a comment. And, you know, if you know, it's actually it's this and this, uh, please leave a comment because, I'm not invested in any thesis here, okay? And a couple more stories. Bank of America cuts base metal price forecasts on gloomy near-term outlook. So sentiment definitely changing on base metals. B of A Global Research is lowering its price forecasts on key industrial metals for this year. And next, as headwinds including high energy prices, rising rates, and slowing growth increase the risk of a global recession. It's by Northern Miner staff. The bank has cut its copper price estimate for 2022 by 12.5% to $3.97 per pound or $8,750 per ton and by 24% or $3.29 per pound for 2023. So they are predicting $3.97 in 2022 for copper and $3.29 in 2023. Copper is most exposed to an economic slowdown and prices could fall below $6,000 US per ton, $2.72 per pound, in the coming months. If Europe runs out of gas, prices could decline to $4,500 per ton or $2.04 per pound, it wrote in a research note. After hitting record highs in the first quarter of 2022, copper prices have fallen sharply... The decline was originally driven by the lockdowns in China, but concerns over a global economic downturn are now compounding headwinds. While a rebound of activity in China may support prices near term, we are concerned that both rising supply and the energy crisis will bring about further headwinds in 2023. That said, accelerated investment in the energy transition and energy independence will likely help rebalance the market and push prices higher again from 2024 onwards. So in other words, they're saying we may get a massive buying opportunity. And we'll just touch on nickel here. B of A has updated its price estimate for this year to $11.09 per pound for nickel and $8.51 per pound in 2023, 50% lower than its previous forecast. And for zinc, B of A has cut its price estimate for 2022 by 16.2% to $1.52 per pound and by 19% next year to $1.15 per pound. So, you can read more about all this at northernminer.com. Look for the article on Bank of America. And finally, a quick headline Royal Gold acquires Great Bear royalties for $200 million. Those are your news stories. Now, let's take a look at metal prices. turning to metal prices. The 10-year bond is at 2.984%. That's the U.S. 10-year treasury bond. And so that is 0.03% higher than last week. So just hovering below 3%. And turning to metal prices, gold is trading at $1,733.52 per ounce. That is $77 lower than last week. So Gold takes a major hit. Silver below $20 at $19.11 per ounce. That is a dollar and two cents lower than last week. Platinum is at $872.41 per ounce. That is $16 lower than last week. And palladium is higher at $2,136.90 per ounce. That is $93 higher than Than last week, and turning to our industrial metals, copper is at $3.53 per pound. That is $0.09 lower than last week. Aluminum is a penny higher at $1.09 per pound. Lead is also a penny higher at $0.88 per pound. And nickel is $0.18 lower at $9.64 per pound. And tin is also lower at $11.70 per pound. That is $0.55 lower than last week, and cobalt is also lower at $27.10 per pound. That is $4.54 lower than last week, and zinc is a penny higher at $1.43 per pound. Well, it looks like we continue to see recession fears here. Commodities continue to correct, and dramatically so. But great news for all our manufacturers out there. And those are your metal prices. And coming up, a summer special with Northern Miner Group President Anthony Vaccaro and our events producer, Laura Daly. And they tell us all about their experience at PDAC and the big events on the mining calendar that are coming up, including several events by the Northern Miner, as well as the Canadian Mining Hall of Fame and just talk about general topics of interest in the mining industry and what people are saying. I hope you enjoy it, and I will see you on the other side. Joining us today, I'm very happy to welcome Laura Daly, event producer at the Northern Miner Group, and Anthony Vaccaro, president of the Northern Miner Group. Anthony, Laura, welcome to the program.
1: Thank you. Thanks, Adrian. Great to be here. We're fans of the podcast, not only because we're part of the company, but because you do such a great job at it. So it's really nice to be on here.
0: Well, it's wonderful to hear, and it kind of seems long overdue to have you guys on the podcast here. So just to clarify, because maybe not everybody is familiar with what the Northern Miner Group actually is and does. So Anthony, could you tell us uh, what is the Northern Miner Group and like, what does it
1: have? Yeah, well, it's a, it's a great question because it's an evolving brand. So most people, uh, well, let's assume that all podcast listeners of the Northern Miner podcast <laughs> are very familiar with the Northern Miner. But it's this group that is, I think, the key part in terms of letting people know how we can help with their business needs more than ever before. So the Northern Miner Group has a very strong media presence, not just from the Northern Miner, but also Canadian Mining Journal, which is actually the oldest mining publication on record here in North America, and Mining.com, which has just become a behemoth of online news information for quicker stories that cover big macro themes. So those three together are part of our media. And then, of course, our events, which Laura Daly heads up and is doing an incredible job our events are mainly out of the northern miner although we do have a caney mining journal event as well but we'll touch upon that later so that's the media pillar our second we have three main pillars second pillar is data we have cost mine which is a proprietary data set built by mining engineers that lets you cost out your project before you build it or acquire it or reclaim it then we have mining intelligence which is a massive global database we have a large team that's constantly putting in new data every single day it competes with SP, the former snl and then our third pillar is our talent solution, our kind of HR platform, and that includes CareerMind and EduMind, which those two brands are so strong, I think most of your listeners will be familiar with. EduMind's the largest online learning platform, CareerMind's the industry's largest jobs platform. So that's what the group is now. It's been evolving. This We kind of all came together under this one umbrella late last year, so we're excited about it. We have teams in Vancouver, Toronto, Spokane. We have sales reps in, uh, in London, England. And we also have a team in India and the Philippines. So we're a global company and uh, trying to do lots of good things.
0: Well, it sounds like an enormous amount of things that are going on here. It's almost like a comprehensive turnkey solution for the whole mining industry in a sense. So you guys got a lot going on. So tell me, so you guys were just at PDAC. What was your experience of PDAC? I mean, it sounds like the animal spirits were back a little bit. How was it?
1: Well, I'll let Laura. That was your second PDAC or PDAC. What did, What were your impressions? Your fir, Your first one was right before COVID struck, so that was a bit of a strange one. And now we had this one. What was your feeling?
2: Actually, I, and I think you're totally right there too, Adrian. Uh, people were so happy to be back face to face. I believe there were seventeen thousand five hundred people from an international audience that came and attended the booth setups, the messaging, the energy from people. The educational sessions, which Anthony actually moderated one of them for Pear Tree, they were all so engaging and so relevant and timing. And I think that just being face-to-face again with people reaching out, it's actually funny, Anthony and I changed over um, one of our events to virtual. And it was interesting to see that people came up and were like, oh, you're so-and-so because the virtual world has taken over for two years. But yeah, Anthony, I know you have more from behind the scenes of PDAC, but the energy, incredible. I think it's going to be exciting to see what happens in the coming year with PDAC for sure. Well, and I think
1: you hit on the core of it. I think that was the most important thing. The energy was fantastic. There was almost, you don't think about this in terms of an industry business event, but there's almost a giddiness in a very Mm -hmm. positive way. Just people were so excited to be back. That was palpable. And that led to it seemed like there was more events than I can ever remember there being. Mm -hmm. There was always a lot, but there was extra. (laughs) And people, they were all super well attended. So the information was great, but the party was rocking as well. both (laughs) Every single night leading up to it and then at (laughs) the actual feedback. The only thing I would add, Adrian, is it is like we are getting hit here, right? I mean, we we had COVID. Let's back up a step. We kind of realized as an industry and as a society, holy smokes, we need way more of these metals to decarbonize and to get to where we want to get to. And so the industry is like, okay, here we go. We're on the right side of this. And then COVID hits. So that was obviously a hit to global industry everywhere. And then we survived that. We we rebound. Metal prices start coming back. Gold's running. Copper's running. Nickel. We all know what happened with nickel. Fears about stagflation. Fears that the global economy isn't going to be doing things. So all the metals are now pulling back again. So, it, if, to me, it feels a little bit, and I think this is an underlining feeling amongst participants at PDAC, feels a little bit like this volleyball being held underwater, mm-hmm. right? And it's about to come up, and then another thing holds it down. But that pressure, and the momentum is there. And I think we are firmly in a secular bull run. And yes, we're probably going to have a year, two-year maybe correction here to figure out what's going on with the global economy. But that volleyball is going to pop up to the surface with a lot of force and momentum. And we're going to be excited to be a part of that. And we're making sure that we're getting our house in order here at the Northern Miner Group to have everything set up. So when the industry explodes, like we know it's going to, that we have all the tools in place to uh, to help and assist in that.
0: Yeah, I could imagine that. And were there any themes that really stood out? Like, was ESG still top of mind? I mean, you talk about the decarbonization. Would you say that was the main theme? Or was the main theme more like Supply and there's not enough
1: inventories, and we're all going to get rich quick. Your instincts are right. Your first instinct was right. Yeah, it's definitely. I think the e, it's been interesting to see how the ESG conversation has moved on. Whereas a couple of years ago, mm. it was a lot about how important is this? Does this really matter? What are the dollars associated with it? I'm like, that's just so far gone. I mean, there's something like $3 trillion in funds that will only invest with an ESG related mandate. $3 trillion. It was at about, I think, $500 billion three or four years ago. So, there's no doubt about it, it's it's here to stay. And then connected to that is that whole piece. Okay, well, if the entire world is serious about ESG and now we'll just section out the E for a second and we're serious about the environment and we're serious about carbon, then we we all know. We just need so much more metal. When you actually start breaking out the numbers about how much more metal we need, it is actually mind boggling, it's mind boggling. We don't know, we haven't found those deposits. Now, you know, just a, a simple calculation of if we wanna meet Paris Agreement target of uh, minimizing temperature increase to 1.5 degrees. And what that means in terms of EVs, in terms of wind power, in terms of all the copper and all the metals we're gonna need, it's astonishing. So that's why earlier when I was saying about the volleyball underneath, like that's why the volleyball is gonna pop up to the surface once we get through this little bit of, uh, of I think, momentary flux around global market growth fears.
0: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean, when you listen to like Goldman Sachs, like Jeffrey Curry at Goldman Sachs talk about the commodities, it just sounds like they're talking like copper is just ready to pull what oil did when it was at $10 a barrel in 2000. I mean, that was the comparison that they made uh, just because there is simply not enough, according to them, but they seem to know a thing or two. Now, turning to the events, Laura, maybe you want to get us started. So we've had some speaker series. We have the quarterly global mining symposium. How are things going with events? You guys happy? What's going on?
2: yeah you know what these last two years have been fantastic because i think it made us have to hit the ground and look at things differently and how do we continue to engage with our investors and our audience and it's actually interesting that when i started here over two and a half years ago that's exactly when covid hit and we were heading to london uk to host one of our largest in-person events and very quickly had to turn it into a virtual event and we started off doing that virtual event twice a year and now we're doing it quarterly We engage over 2,000 delegates from 102 different countries. We have some of the top-line speakers on there, amazing junior mining company presentations. And I think the biggest thing that sets us apart with the virtual world right now, which I don't believe is going away, I do believe there'll always be a large component of virtual taking place, is that our virtual events are fully live. So it's us sitting together as we are right now in each other's family rooms and being able to ask those in-depth questions to presidents and CEOs that you wouldn't usually get to ask when you're an in-person event. So there is a lot of benefits to having this virtual. We have our next one, our Q3 one coming up September 28th and 29th. So it's a two-day live virtual event. Anthony always kicks it off with some and 80s music. So it really sets a tone for a really good, (laughs) engaged, and high energy event. So yeah, and then we'll have our Q4. But I guess, Anthony, I guess maybe that one's changing a bit, the Q4 one, because we're going back to in-person. We'll be back to London, UK, to host our Canadian mining symposium. So we're kind of putting that one back to in-person, going back to London, UK, to what Northern Miner was doing so well before the world got shut down. So we're looking forward to that. So that's going to take place November the 28th in Canada. We
1: want to get back closer to Adrian, right? That's right. Get Get back closer to Europe. Adrian was a part of the Canadian mining symposium. You were part of at least, I think a couple, were you not? I think I was at all of them. Actually, because oh, it was just so go, convenient.
0: Maybe the first I never went because you know it was an expensive I think
1: you plane flight and all Toronto that. for the first. I think mean, that was maybe the issue. Exactly. Yeah, and you were exactly. doing great coverage there. You even interviewed some CEOs. You did some fantastic stuff out of there. So we'll be looking forward yeah. to mm-hmm. meeting up with you and getting you to uh, maybe we can do a live podcast from uh, from Canada House because for the listeners that don't know, beautiful setting. It's Canada House. The Canadian government owns. Seriously, without hyperbole, one of the best pieces of real estate in London, which is saying something. The Canada House that's right on Trafalgar Square. It's an immaculate building, and that's where we're honored to to do it again this year. So yeah, maybe a podcast from Canada well, House is in the card, Adrian.
0: Absolutely, and you know, as long as they get their internet together, I remember there was issues with their oh. internet, but we can <laughs> we can always upload it later, I suppose. You know, and I'm really actually I don't know if that's a newsmaking thing that we have here that we're doing the Canadian Mining Symposium. Uh, but I'm really happy that we're doing because despite all the problems Europe is having right now, it's still a wonderful place to visit. And uh, yeah, that is just, it's such a premiere event. I mean, again, like you say, that building is just to be inside of it feels special. And you feel like you're at one of the, if not the premiere, mining conferences in the world and it's a very it's not easy to get into what I remembered because they they don't let too many people in there it's like maybe a couple of well,
1: hundred people right it, it is kind yeah. of exclusive but that's why we're privileged to have our media channels because we'll get all that coverage so if you can't be at the actual event because it is limited seating don't worry we're going to cover it all with video with stories and I guess the other big thing Adrian just to pick up on that point why it does feel like such a, a premium event the support has been excellent. Just mm-hmm. absolutely excellent. So when we reach out, I mean, the first one, we had Robert Friedland, Lucas Lundin, uh, Kelvin Niski, David Garofalo. These are just the ones. Rob McEwen, just to pop to mind. Pierre Lassonde, spoken there. Ira Thomas has spoken there. Ross Beattie. The list goes on and on and on. And each time, it's just me sending an email. Hey, you know, do you think you could pop over to London <laughs> to, to support and give a, a fireside chat? And without exception, it's always, oh, yes, we'd love to do it. So that support for the industry has been amazing. And when you can go and you can have access to to true industry makers or company builders within the industry, it makes it pretty special.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's again, it's a very attractive location. So do you guys have guests lined up already? Is there any news you can make there? Or is that still being worked out? As as far as, say, you have the speaker series, you said, Laura, is coming up. And then you have the Q3 Global Mining Symposium. And I guess Q4 is the Canadian Mining Symposium in London. Is that correct?
2: Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And for, for the speaker series, which we didn't really touch on too much, that one is September the 8th, and that's in Vancouver, BC. And that's going to have Bob Quartermain and André Saint-Germain. And you can go to our website to get more information about the event, to register. And honestly, it's a fantastic event because, again, it's an intimate event. Anthony moderates it. It's very casual, like sitting in a living room, listening to these two amazing mining legends, an up-and-coming mining legend, and being able to just engage, ask questions live gorgeous gourmet three-course meal that you get as well um, <laughs> as we yeah. said as we said adrian before when you're traveling now as we get older it's all about the food and <laughs> yes
1: that's so true and it's well you, you you do want to we've all been kind of used to working from home i think so yes we want to see each other but it's nice to have that those extra reasons so beautiful location <laughs> vancouver pacific rim great food the wonderful thing about the speaker series is against we're just blessed to have such great leaders in our industry that try to make themselves so accessible and are truly humble individuals. We had Pierre Lasson at our Toronto event before PDAC. And we had Ross Beattie it off in Vancouver back in March. And they both, they stuck around. We make sure that we, uh, we give free tickets to university students to make sure that they're a part of it. Because this speaker series is really about knowledge transfer. It's about we have these incredible individuals that have done so much good and built so much wealth for our country and given so much back. How do we make sure, how does the Northern Miner Group make sure we're helping create a platform where there's that knowledge transfer, both from the legends of the industry, but also the up and comers that are really innovating. And that's where André germain steps in, is CFO of Integra Resources, winner of the YMP award. So if you're around Vancouver, September 8th, make sure you mark that one in the calendar. If we're on it, if you don't mind, Adrian, I think it's just good. And we're just trying to be helpful here. Just let everyone know what's, what's available and what to look out for. Because that one leads to Q3 Global Mining Symposium. We have a heck of a roster of speakers for that one as well. Laura, is that September 28th, 29th?
2: September 28th, 29th, yeah. And we have uh, Chris Taylor, who's going to be joining us um, on that. We have
1: Northern Miner Person of the Year last year, Chris Taylor, a great builder, company builder at Great Bear Resources.
2: We also have Doug Silver.
1: He could have been on the Legend Speaker Series. He's a legend.
2: And then we've almost got a sold out group with the junior mining companies. We have a great return platform with that uh, great relationship. Those presentations are fantastic. I mean, Anthony, as you know, sometimes we have so many questions from the audience that we can't get to them all because time just permit doesn't permit, but we do ensure that everybody gets the answers that they deserve and get emailed back with it. So it should be a really exciting one, good time of the year to be doing it at the end of September and heading into the fall crazy season. So looking forward to that. And then that one leads us to the reimagined mining, which Canadian Mining Journal is is taking
1: the the firm leadership on that one, and it will be steering that. And there's a lot of support that comes out of our cost mine, which I alluded to earlier, because mm-hmm. cost mines run by mining engineers, so they're constantly doing costing data and uh, discerning costing trends, and then that kind of feeds into the reimagined mining, how we can best produce mines going forward. Um, so that one is October, 12th and Fifteenth of October. October.
2: And on top of all this too we're also going around to many different sponsored events and we're making sure that our staff members are at many other events within the industry and showing support and gaining more knowledge ourselves so we also have an events calendar online where you can go on there and see any industry events from around the world Uh, but there is a couple that are coming up the mining hall of fame which uh, anthony will speak on a bit more too because he's so closely connected with that explore mining in quebec We're um, looking at Discoveries Mexico of just being supportive and showing that the Northern Miner is uh, supporting some of their events and so many others. There are so many events. When the world opened up again, so did the event world. And uh, it's great. But we're going to try to make it to as many sponsored events as well.
1: That events calendar is a really good resource for listeners, Adrian. Laura does a great job updating it because there's always this sense of, oh, what event am I missing? Well, just go to the Northern Miner. Calendar events, you'll see it there. Precious Metal Summit will be at that at Beaver Creek. Our friends that put that show on, they do an amazing job every year. We're always honoured to be a media sponsor of that. If I may, Adrian, just to hit that, just a second on the Canadian Mining Hall of Fame, because I don't want to leave without reminding people of Mm -hmm. that. That gala, because of COVID last year, had to be greatly reduced. So we just did it at the AgaCon, and we can only do 100 people to meet with all the requirements of the Ontario government. So now that things have opened up a bit, Kind of took a halfway step back to the old format. So the old format was at the Metro Convention Center. It was 1,200 people. One of the big events of the calendar year, incredible networking event. And more importantly, incredible event to honor and celebrate greatness in our industry. Cause the inductees every year are just fantastic people. So this year we're kind of, we're at Palais Royale, which is about, I think about 500 people. So kind of working its way back. Palais Royale is beautiful. It's in Toronto, right on the Lake Ontario. It's on August 18th. It's all sold out anyway. But just to make people aware that uh, that is going on. And we're uh, inducting uh, five new members of the Hall of Fame on that. And I'm honored again to be the, the MC of, of that event. So for those of you that are going, I will look forward to seeing you there on August 18th.
2: And I think, too, Anthony, when it comes to uh, the Q3 Global Mining Symposium, we could do touch back on that event and highlight the keynotes, especially since Anthony is the MC there. He gets a lot of behind the scenes and we were able to talk about the winners and kind of the history that's being made within the mining industry. So we'll be touching that on the virtual event as well. There right is just
0: so much going on. It's very <laughs> impressive. And it, I think it really speaks to how, you know, publishing has really like these events have really become a, almost a part of the publishing industry. I mean, you, you see know. it at other organizations as well. And you guys just have again, there is just so much going on. It's quite impressive. Now, if people want to, say, buy tickets or whatever, I assume they go to events.northernminer.com, right? So the calendar is there. And then if they want to buy stuff, they go there,
2: correct? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it has all the event information on there, its location, even kind of the objectives you're going to get by attending some of these events. So it's a full depth of information on there.
0: Yeah, and what I love about the speaker series is the networking opportunity. Like, I mean, where do you go if you want to meet people in the industry? Maybe you're just look to expand your horizons socially. And where do you go? I mean, PDAC can be a little overwhelming. I mean, there's almost so many people that it's almost like, you know, you oh, walk away on. with a couple of business cards,
2: mm-hmm. right?
1: And generally, when when Ross Beattie or Pierre Lassonde or Bob Cordomay, I mean, people of this ilk, when they speak at an event like that, it's in a room of thousands of people. Right. They're up on the stage. They go back to the green room and they just can't be accessible to thousands of people. So it's very hard. You go to that event, your chances of speaking with them is quite low. But at these events, there are roughly, I think 80 people. It's at a luncheon for this. We're speaking of the speaker series. It's September 8th one in, uh, in Vancouver. The speaker just mills about the, with the crowd for an hour afterwards. It really is a great opportunity to not just listen and learn, but actually meet and find out what kind of people, uh, these leaders of the industry are.
2: And with us bringing the university students, too, it's I mean, number one, just the knowledge they're gaining and the the off factor that they have is incredible. Um, but on top of that, too, it's the businesses actually networking with the students as well, too, so that they can build those connections for future employment or for contract work or whatever. But that seems to be a huge uh, relationship builder, too, is the businesses intermingling with the university students. Absolutely. So
0: wrapping up. So where is this all going? You know, we zoom out. So that's the next couple of months here, two or three months. Uh, Where's this going? Uh, What do you
1: see happening? More events? What's next? I I mean, Laura, how much more can Laura do? She's already a juggernaut as it is. But we do, I I think what we were, you know, Laura and I, uh, and with our board, we strategically talk about, we're all very cognizant of the fact that. This is a really watershed moment for the mining industry. I think everyone is very aware, we alluded to before, your podcast does a great job of covering it as do our our media outlets, of how important, how integral the mining industry is going to be to a cleaner, greener future. Everything we want, we need more electricity, we need less carbon, we all know that means a lot more metal. The industry is, if in the past it was labeled as the bad guy because of certain failings of certain companies with a bad environmental record. Now we're in the position that we're the good guys, right? Are The good people that are going to actually bring the materials that we need for a better future. So there is that great story, and yet there still is this negative public perception. So how do we reconcile these two? And how could we maybe create an event of bringing true thought leaders together, the best and the brightest, the most diverse group of people and audience that we can really take advantage of this moment and maximize it? Not just in terms of messaging, which is absolutely critical. Nothing we should be ashamed of. We have to do a better job messaging how important this mining industry is and how much good it does. But also ensuring that we're using best practices so that the industry is, as we extract these metals, how are we doing it in the most carbon-efficient manner? How are we doing it in the most respectful way to the environment, to stakeholders, to communities, across the board? So that's, I think, an event squarely focused on that. How do we take advantage of this possibly once-in-a-lifetime opportunity? the mining industry is at right now that's what we're talking about and uh maybe who knows you'll invite us back on when we have a little bit more concrete details to speak on how we're going to try to execute on a vision like that
2: well
0: absolutely we'll definitely have you back and thank you for joining us it sounds like a ton of exciting stuff is going on. And yes, we will definitely have you back to get more information. Good. Well, Laura Daly, event producer at the Northern Miner Group and Anthony Vaccaro, president of the Northern Miner Group. Thank you for joining us on the Northern Miner Podcast.
2: Thanks.
1: Thank you, Adrian. Really a pleasure to be here. We look forward to uh, listening to many more podcasts going forward. Thanks so much.
0: I hope you enjoyed that episode of the Northern Miner podcast. It's always great to have Laura and Anthony on. We'll have to do that more often. And next week, I'll be in Crete. So I'll be podcasting from, hopefully, as long as there's no plane issues or airport issues, I'll be broadcasting from a beautiful Greek island. So let's see how that goes. If you want to help out the podcast, leave us a review in the Apple Podcasts directory. Share it with your friends. And until next week, take care.